Well, amen, and good morning, church. How are you today? Awesome. It's good to be with you. We continue this morning, whether you're in the sanctuary or online, in our series in the book of Hebrews, a series where we have been considering the fact that Jesus is better. He's better than all the rival saviors that this world would offer. Uh, as for Hebrews chapter 12, I hope you're there by now. We considered just one verse last week, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. And we saw that living for Jesus is a bit like running in a marathon through a world that doesn't want you to finish the race. And so this call to endurance that began all the way back in chapter 10, and then we saw these examples of endurance in chapter 11, the author is now really driving home the point that we're in this race, and to, to get to the finish line, we've got to endure through adversity and hardship and persecution and danger and temptation. So to run with endurance... We are encouraged by godly examples who've gone before us. Uh, to run with endurance, we set aside the burdens and the sins that would trip us up in running to Christ. And then we remember that, that the race that we're running is not a race we made up. It's a race that God sets before us. It's a, it's a race that's given by God. And then today, we're going to continue to learn about this race in Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 2 and three, would you hear with me the word of the Lord? Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, Listen to why. So that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Would you pray with me this morning? God, I, I pray for those who are on the edge of weariness this morning. God, I, I pray for those who are contemplating losing heart, giving up, quitting the race. God, I pray that today we would be reminded of your recipe for finishing the race. God, that we would in a fresh way, fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of faith. I ask it in Christ's name and for His glory. Amen. This morning, I want to preach to you on the subject, focus on Jesus. It's that simple. If you could summarize the, the sermon in a sentence, it would be focus on Jesus. There's a lot of things competing for our attention in this life, but there's only one thing that will get you to the finish line, and He's the one who ran the race for you, His name is Jesus. So we'll see two things in the text this morning. To run the race with endurance, first in verse 2, we must fix our eyes on Jesus who accomplished everything necessary for us to finish the race. Jesus has done the work. Second, we must stay encouraged when faced with opposition by considering Jesus who endured hostility for us. So first, we need to fix our eyes on Jesus who accomplished everything necessary for us to finish this race that He has placed us in. Look at the beginning of verse 2. To run with endurance, we must constantly be fixing our eyes on Jesus. In other words, to run to Jesus, our focus has to be on Jesus. Now, we saw last week that we run away from or put aside or lay aside the weights of the world. But the reason that we lay aside the weights of the world is not just to run away from something, it's because we're running to someone. 
And I, I don't know if you've heard this before, but I was a runner in high school, and oftentimes people would say to me, I don't know why you do that running stuff. If you ever see me running, look behind me to figure out who's chasing me. It's the only time you're going to see me running. And, and the challenge with the Christian life is a lot of us run the Christian life like that. We're just running away from one sin and way to the world over here, and we finish that one, and then we run away from this sin and that way to the world over there. And, and to be sure, we should be laying aside the weights, but it's a, it's a whole lot easier to lay aside the weights and the sins of the world that entangle us when we stop looking at them and instead fix our eyes on the author and perfecter of our faith, where we're going. We get our eyes off of our, the weights and onto the Savior. Fix our eyes on Jesus. It's a word of intentionality. It's in the present tense, which means we've got to keep on fixing our eyes on Jesus. Every day, His mercies are new, and we wake up, and we have a balance sheet, and we've got a house, and we've got a mortgage, and we've got problems, and we've got a career, and we've got a job. But in all of that, fix your eyes on Jesus. It's a word of intentionality. It means to purposefully take your eyes off of one thing and to place them onto another thing. To run to Jesus, we've got to stop looking at the distractions of the world and look to Jesus. I'll never forget when my daughter Elizabeth, she's our firstborn, was learning to walk. and she, she was an early walker and she would put one foot in front of the other. She got that part down really early. But the whole looking at where you're going part, she didn't pick up on that too soon. I mean, the, the full-length mirror in the living room, she'd check that out and she'd be walking by and then into the chair in the dining room. She be walking in the living room and there's a squirrel outside and she'd run into a wall. And so constantly I'd be telling my daughter, I remember when she's 18 months, two years, three years, even four years old, get your eyes up. Look straight ahead. If you're going to walk into the dining room, then look toward the dining room. It's going to help you get there. The same concept in the Christian life. So often we're born again. We're born to new life. We're placed in the race. But We've been brought out of sin and death and darkness and just yesterday we were in that world looking at all those distractions and all those temptations and we forget sometimes to get our eyes off of that and to get our eyes on Jesus and walk to Him. If you're going to finish the race, you've got to fix your eyes on Jesus. Godly examples of encouragement are important. It's good to have a, a local church family. It's good to have the Old Testament saints to encourage us in the race, but our destination is Jesus. We don't run for the praise of men. We run for the glory of Christ. We fix our eyes on Him because He's the author and the perfecter of faith. One scholar said it this way, Believers look to Jesus because He endured suffering for the church's salvation. The hostility that He bore was the hostility His people deserved. None of those Old Testament figures suffered for us in the way that Jesus did by offering Himself as the substitute for sin. Jesus is therefore our supreme motivation and our supreme example, and He is our Savior. As the author of faith, Jesus is the source of faith. As the perfecter of faith, He is the sustainer of faith. You see, church, our faith is not in our faith. Our faith is in Jesus. Our faith is the one who was crucified and died and has been raised and will never die Again, our faith is not in our decision made 20 years ago. Our faith is in the Savior who died for us 2,000 years ago. And if our hope and trust is in Him, He will not disappoint. Saving faith has its, as its beginning and its middle and its end. The life and death and resurrection and ascension and return 
of Jesus. Jesus is our confidence. And we put our eyes and our focus on Him. He's the author of faith. Because of what we read in the rest of verse 2. You see, it's Jesus who for the joy set before Him endured the cross. And I don't want you to miss the context. Remember that Hebrews is written to a persecuted people. It's written to a people that's beginning to pay the cost for following Jesus. And he's reminding them the cost that you're paying for following Jesus is nothing that Jesus hasn't already paid for you. How did he get through it? How did he endure the cross? He did it for the joy set before him. But I don't want the cross to slide past us this morning. You see, before he even got to the cross, Jesus was flogged. Which means that his veins were laid bare and his muscles and sinews and bowels would have been exposed. On the way to Calvary, his mangled body buckled under the weight of the cross. On the cross, after experiencing a significant loss of blood and pushing himself up on his spike-pierced feet for every breath, he cried out, I thirst. And finally... Jesus yielded up His life. Centuries before it happened, the prophet Isaiah told us His appearance was marred more than any man and His form more than the sons of men. Jesus endured the cross for our salvation. He didn't just endure its physical agony. He also despised the shame, meaning the shame of the cross. You see, the cross was a symbol of shame. But Jesus did not let the shaming of the world stop Him. We live in a world that is consumed by canceling Christians. Those who have faith in Christ, whatever you can do to snuff out their business and and besmirch their reputation. But Jesus despised or rejected any regard for His reputation and He went all the way to the cross, the shameful, bloody cross, and died for sins that He did not commit to rescue us. He refused, church, to be influenced by the opinions of the world. How did He do it? For the joy set before Him. He was not motivated by what men said about Him. He was motivated by what His Father promised to Him. He didn't deserve any of the agony, any of the shame of the cross. But look again at verse 2. He did it for the joy set before Him. Prepositions are so important. That little preposition for means because of, on account of, for this reason. Why did Jesus go through with the cross When everything was telling him to quit the race, he did it because there was a joy standing before him that even the cross could not take away. No matter how painful or agonizing, Jesus never lost sight of the superior joy that was coming through the resurrection and the ascension. Do you see it there at the end of verse 2? To the right hand of the throne of God. As Jesus bore our sin and our suffering and our shame, He could see through the cross to the crown that awaited in glory. And so as the world thought that it had finished Jesus, Jesus cried out, it is finished. Jesus kept His eyes on the prize to secure the salvation of His people, a salvation that belongs to those who keep their eyes on Jesus. Jesus did everything necessary to be the source of saving faith by living His life by faith in perfect obedience to the Father. 
In the power of the Spirit, he obeyed his Father to be the author of saving faith. The sort of faith that gets to the finish line is the sort of faith that Jesus displayed. You say, what does enduring faith look look like? Enduring faith looks like having a cross standing before you and saying, I'll go to that cross believing that God will keep His promises and raise me up to life everlasting because His Son has already run the race for me. You see, the sort of faith that God gives when we turn our eyes from the world and fix our eyes on Jesus is not some temporary fleeting faith. It's not some faith that vacillates back and forth. It's a faith faith that fixes its eyes on Jesus like Jesus fixed His eyes on and through the cross so that He could save you. That's the kind of faith that God wants to produce in the heart of a believer. Indeed, if Jesus had not trusted and obeyed the Father, did you know we would have no one to believe in? But he did, he did obey. And because Jesus had perfect faith in the Father, we can respond by faith to our failures and to our imperfections and to our sins and to the persecutions and the threats of this world with a faith that does not quit the race because Jesus ran in my place. Jesus is the source of faith. He's the author of faith, but he's also faith's perfecter. Jesus is not just hanging out at the right hand of the Father, twiddling his thumbs. He he is our high priest, as we have seen over and over again in Hebrews. Hebrews 7.25 says that he always lives to make intercession for those who belong to him by faith. So as the one who is seated in the heavens, praying for his children at the Father's right hand, Jesus is the perfecter of faith. When we sin, and where we've sinned, Jesus did not. And His blood is sufficient to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Through His priestly ministry, we have ongoing access, church, to know the love of our Heavenly Father. This past week, a Sunday a week ago, I preached... Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, and I talked about the importance of of laying aside the weights and the sins of the world that trip us up, and I challenged our church to write down that that number one thing that is, is owning you and dominating your life, and then to resolve to find somebody that you could talk to and confess it to. Now, by the way, I'm not the only person at North Roanoke that can be, and so I, I, I hope you understand there's, there's a lot of good godly men and women you can talk to about what's going on in your life at North Roanoke. But I had the privilege of talking with several people this week and praying with them about laying down the weight and stop looking at the weight and start looking to Jesus and remembering that because Jesus died in their place and because He intercedes for us in the heavens, that they don't have to walk around condemned and guilty. They just need to get their eyes off of themselves and on Jesus and start running again. You see, church, where we stumble, Jesus never did. Where we falter, Jesus never failed. And as we battle and war against sins along the way, we cannot neglect to look at Jesus. Instead, we we keep looking to Him. We see Him. We stand amazed by Him. And the weights and the sins of this world don't seem nearly so weighty by comparison to the glory of the One to whom we run. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face. And the things of this world will go, grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. Paul says in Philippians 1.6, I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will complete it or perfect it till the day of Christ Jesus. 
the Holy Spirit works in believers to make us in our lives, in our day-to-day lives, in practice, more and more and more what God declares us to be in truth on the day that He saves us. That's sanctification. Doesn't make any sense. We're sinners. We're rebels. We, we were against God and we turn from our sin and we trust in Jesus. And like that, God says, all the righteousness of my son belongs to you. But you spend the rest of your life, God, working that out in your life. Rooting sin and selfishness and pride and, and all sorts of ugliness out of your life as he makes you more and more and more like Jesus. Jesus is at work in the lives of those who are looking to him, perfecting their faith. And one day... When the King of Glory, who sits at the Father's right hand, returns and raises up all those who have trusted in Him, you'll see for sure that He's the perfecter of your faith. When He returns and those who have fixed their eyes on Jesus, the dead in Christ are raised, we will behold our Savior face to face and we will know that He has finished what He has started. He is faith's source. He is faith's sustainer. He is faith's finisher, and one day, faith will give way entirely to the love of the Savior who ran for us. It's when we lose our focus on Jesus that we're tripped up by the weights and the sins of the world. But what about those seasons when, hey, we're running pretty well. We, we, we are experiencing the love of God in our lives. We're We're having uh, strong relationships with other believers. We're endeavoring uh, in our marriage to serve our wives or to serve our husbands respectively. Things are going well, and yet the world is against us. How do we stay encouraged when the world daily wages war against the one who wants to glorify the King of kings and Lord of lords? To stay encouraged. You see it in verse 3. To not lose heart, to not grow weary, to stay encouraged, we've got to consider Jesus who endured hostility for us. There's no hostility we face that Jesus hasn't already faced down on our behalf. And the reality of Scripture, we see it over and over again, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will often suffer for the sake of righteousness. When we fix our eyes on Jesus and strive to live for Him, the world is not a fan, the world doesn't like it. I can still remember being openly chastised at Virginia Tech for my faith in Christ. Whenever I raised the question of faith and uh, absolute truth and God's Word, I remember being mocked and belittled in my classes because of faith in Jesus. Business owners in our country have had to argue their cases all the way to the Supreme Court because they refused to use their artistic gifts to celebrate what God calls sin. In many places today, it's, it's not being mocked or belittled or being fined for your business practices. It's, it's far worse than that. It's being imprisoned. It's being beaten. It's being isolated. And it's even being killed because they fixed their eyes on Jesus. How do, how do we process that? How do we process doing the right thing, running the right race for the right reasons and knowing that it often leads to hardship? There was a line in the song we sang, believe him and all will be well. And whenever I sing that line, I think, well, that's kind of true. It'll all be well one day. And it'll all be well on the inside if we're truly following him. But if you take up your cross and follow Jesus, 
It's not going to be all pie in the sky rosy in this life. The promise of Scripture is you believe Him and you're going to run a race that, like Jesus' race, goes through adversity, goes through the valley of the shadow of death, but still fears no evil because the Lord, my God, is with me and I know you'll raise me up to be forever with you. The race with Jesus runs headlong through adversity. How do we face that? How do we reconcile that in our minds? And the answer is in verse 3. When you face adversity and hardship and mocking and worse for honoring Jesus, we remember that what we face to honor our King is nothing compared to what our King has faced for us. When the world makes it tough to follow Jesus, do you see what it says in verse 3? Consider Jesus. Don't consider quitting the race. Don't consider redefining the race to avoid the pain. Don't try to wriggle out of it in some way. Just keep considering Jesus. If the sinless Son of God had to suffer to save us, we should not be surprised that suffering comes to those who run the race that He ran. The word consider comes from a word that is used in accounting. Any accountants with us this morning? I got one nod. I love bean counters. Just sit in their office and make that spreadsheet balance. They're amazing people. This word right here means to ponder, to think over, to add something up, to estimate the value of something. When the, when the race gets hard, what is our temptation? It's to add up all the ways that the race is hard. It's to add up all the reasons we have to quit. And what does God's Word say? When the race gets hard, don't add up all your sorrows and fears and persecutions. Instead, add up all that Jesus did to save you. The sinless Son of God endured adversity, hostility. The word means antagonism. Everything he tried to do, someone tried to check it. Every time he had a pure motive, which was his whole life, someone questioned his motive. Someone said, oh, you should do it this way. He was under a barrage of constant attack, his whole public ministry. And he did that to save sinners. How do we avoid fainting, getting sick, losing heart, becoming discouraged in the race? We do it by adding up what Jesus has done. Church, the joy in the race does not come from this world. It comes from pursuing life with our King in the world to come. And the reality is, some in this room and some online, maybe you're about to lose heart. Maybe you're about to give up. Maybe you're about to throw in the towel because you've been adding up all your problems, all the cares of this world, and God is saying, fix your eyes afresh on Jesus and add up again what Jesus did for you and see the Spirit of God produce a renewed joy and ambition in your life to run hard to Jesus your Savior. Let's do a little adding up this morning of our King. God the Son, God left heaven to be born as a baby, to walk in our humanity with all of its weakness and to suffer not just the cross, but a constant barrage of sarcastic remarks and questions from religious leaders using the very book that was written about Him to question Him. This king was denied by his leading disciple. 
He was betrayed for 30 pieces of silver by a disciple who broke bread with him before he died. He was whipped. He was mocked. He was spat upon. He was stripped. He was rejected by his own hometown. And every step of the way, this king knew exactly who he was. He knew exactly what he was doing. And he he knew exactly why he was doing it. And at any minute, he could have stood up and put every single objector in their place. At any minute, he could have proven who he was and abandoned the plan for our salvation. But instead, for the joy set before him, he kept his eyes on the prize and he endured the hostility of sinners to save some of those very sinners who mocked him. He did all of this so we could get in the race. And the faith that Jesus had in the Father to finish the race is the faith that He wants to produce in your heart. And it's a race that ends beholding the face of Jesus Christ, our Savior. So this morning, you think it's too dangerous or too limiting or too crazy to foster or adopt a child or to be sent out as a missionary to a people group that's never even heard the name of Jesus in their own language, consider Jesus. Could He ask you to do anything too great for the name of the One who endured such hostility by sinners to save you a sinner? Consider Jesus. You think you can't stay the course and keep loving and praying for your spouse even though their heart is so cold to the things of God? Consider Jesus. You want to stay encouraged in this race that runs right through a world that does not want you to finish Keep on considering Jesus. Today, if you're a Christian, maybe you've been on the edge of losing heart. And maybe today is the day that you need to resolve as we stand and sing in just a moment. I'm going to get my eyes off the weights of the world and I'm going to fix my eyes on Jesus and every time adversity and hardship and persecution comes that I can't make sense of, I'm going to consider Jesus. And for others of you, the reality is, as you've heard this little series of sermons here in the heart of Hebrews, you've had to ask yourself, am I even in the race? Have I ever fixed my eyes on Jesus? Have I ever tried to set aside the weight of the world and run to Him? Or have I just been playing a religious game my whole life? putting Jesus over here on the sideline, making Him a part of my life, but never making Him the goal of my life. And I realize right now, I've been fixing my eyes on my own agenda. I've been fixing my eyes on the next phase of my life, but I've never fixed my eyes on Jesus. I've never actually been running the race. I, th- I might have thought I was in the race, but I wasn't in the race. And today's the day i got to get in the race. Because only the people who have been rescued by Jesus that are running the race are the people who get to the finish line and get to be with Jesus forever. So maybe today... You need to get in the race. Whether you need to remember to consider Jesus afresh and not lose heart, or you need to come to Jesus the beginning and the end and the middle of faith and say, I want to get in the race. I know it's a time of corona. I've got my mask. I'll put it on. 
And we can pray together as you trust Christ and know the joy of running to Jesus. Would you pray with me? God in heaven, we need you. We so desperately need you. God, we thank you that in the middle of a world that is presently turned upside down, that you have reminded us that, that you are the beginning, the middle, and the end of faith, and that nothing can turn you upside down. Nothing can take away what you start, because what you start, you finish. So God, for the, for the man or the woman that's, that's here seated in this sanctuary that isn't even in the race, I pray today would be the day they would say, God, I'm a sinner. I want to leave my sin. I want to fix my eyes on Jesus. Thank you for dying in my place. Thank you for being raised to save me. I, I, I leave my sin and my self-worship, and I want to run to Jesus. Holy Spirit of God, change me from the inside and help me to do it. God, for the, for the one or the two or the dozens who need to do that today, let today be the day of salvation. And then, God, for the likely dozens, perhaps even hundreds who are losing heart. God, help them afresh to add up Jesus. What He endured, how great He is, and how much He loves those who leave behind the world, fix their eyes on Him, and run to Him in faith. God, find us faithful. Encourage our hearts. In Jesus' name. Amen.